Welcome to Absurd Archives pilot episode and the first of our series on weird experiments. I'm Laura Seabee, and if you want to find out about what NASA has to do with movie stars, dolphins, masturbation, and suicide, pour yourself a cup of coffee, get comfy, and hang tight. It only gets weirder from here. Welcome back. Uh, today I'd like to start out by saying, do not do this at home. Full stop, don't do this at home. Fair warning, this episode will get a little bit explicit. Also, today we'll be joined by Penkin. Say hi, Penkin. Thank you, Penkin. So to get started with this episode, this weird experiment took place from June to August of 1965 in a little house on a rocky hillside in the island of St. Thomas. The house was flooded with three ex-film stars from Flipper that moved in with a doctor and a young girl courtesy of NASA. No, seriously. So Dr. John C. Rife, excuse me, John C. Lilly, whom he'll get a whole episode on, on to his own, because uh, believe me, the mad scientist deserves an episode all to his own. Uh, so, <laughs> to start with, he believed that dolphins could be taught human speech. He also thought that they were telepathic and that they could help us speak to aliens and teach us how to live in outer space without gravity. And before you ask, yes, drugs were involved. So, you might ask, who was this girl that lived with the dolphins and how did she get here? Well, it's just about as crazy. So imagine going to a Christmas party with your brother-in-law and he tells you that there's like this secret lab with dolphins nearby. So that's what happened to 28-year-old Margaret Howe Lovett. Uh, so she drove down to find out what was going on and she met with the lab director, uh, Gregory Bateson. She told him that she heard about the dolphins and she was there to help in any way that she could. And although she wasn't trained, Margaret proved herself to be highly observant, and she got the job. Now, as for the dolphins, some of them were ex-stars of Flipper, legitly, who were brought from the Marine Studios in Florida to the new Dolphinarium. That's a really hard word to say. Uh, to the newly made Dolphinarium in St. Thomas. So, the three were named Sissy, Pamela, and Peter. And just as a quick side note, uh, Marine Studios was the first place to actually keep bottlenose dolphins in captivity. But let's get back to the scientists, shall we? Lily's first attempts at working with dolphins, who were also known as herring hogs, just a fun fact, included mapping their cerebral cortex with long probes. And yes, that's correct. Inserted into the brain. Uh, part of these studies concluded, positive note, that dolphins could sleep with one half of their brain awake. Unfortunately, though, uh, it also concluded that dolphins would pass away if put under anesthesia. Like, half of their brain has to be awake. It was also a long way with those conclusions on those tests to what Lily believed to call the Cretacean Chair. Lily firmly believed that dolphins who spoke English 
would be able to sit amongst the United Nations and talk not only politics and history, but even economics. After coming into the building and meeting with the dolphins, it occurred to her that just meeting once a day would not be enough. She asked Lily if she could move in and you know, it'd be like how a mom would be with her child, just constantly teaching and learning new words just by being around each other. And it was such a radical idea that Lily liked it. So to the girl, Margaret, you know, she had a lot of work on her hands before the experiment started. Uh, she completely waterproofed the upper floors of the lab. The way that she would flood it with a couple of feet of water would allow a dolphin to live with her for at least three months. Out of the three dolphins, she chose Peter. The reason being he was the youngest who had no real training in English like Sissy and Pamela had. But what was it like there? On June 15th, Margaret Howe cut her hair and bought a swimming suit and a leotard for when the nights got cool. The water filtered in from the ocean, so naturally it was salt water. And she had a desk that was hung from the ceiling. And get this, just picture this in your minds. Uh, her bed was suspended. It was a foam mattress suspended and fitted with a shower curtain so the dolphin wouldn't soak her during the night. Yes, she slept in the same area as them. Like she had one spot in the entire place that was not wet that she could stand. So to further confine herself, she actually lived off of canned foods. And she even did a trial run a week before to make adjustments and let Lily know like what changes needed to be done. So, as she quoted, it was perfect. Cooking is fine. Cleaning is interesting. Each morning of most of the dirt is neatly deposited at the foot of the elevator shaft. All I have to do is suck it up. She also said that the young dolphin was quite childlike. He often looked at himself in the mirror. He liked looking at himself in the mirror and would excitedly talk over her while she took a rare telephone call. Can you imagine being on a telephone call with somebody and just hearing a dolphin screaming in the background, you know? It would kind of be like having a cat that, you know, talks all the time. Now, as for the lessons, well, that's another story. Peter did learn to say some words and distinguish certain items. Uh, ball and diamond, believe it or not, were the couple of words that he really, really enjoyed saying. And he would also be discouraged from speaking Dolphinese. And he would excitedly scream, Hello, Margaret! And just hearing Dolphinese is like the, the weirdest, creepiest thing to me. But some people think it's cute. I don't know. It's weird to me. One, two, three, four. Today is August 18. This is the morning lesson with Peter. Hello. 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 
Jelly Peter. I didn't talk to Peter the way I talked to you. I, I spoke in single words usually and made inflection, something that he could follow. That they were very good at. The, the enunciation was not good. But if I said one, two, three, I, I wouldn't get one, two, three, but I would get very difficult. My name, you know, hello, Margaret, I worked on. And M is just impossible. But he eventually rolled over so that it kind of, he would bubble it into the water. Margaret. Oh, he just couldn't get it right. And he just would try and he would try. God. Fish in bucket. Back to the lesson, so to help with the visual learning, Margaret actually painted her mouth and her face. She would paint her face white and her lipstick would be like a dark blue. So he would just focus just on her mouth. And often he would just kind of tilt his head to the side and watch her. The theory was that the blue on her lips would mimic the blowhole. Now, unfortunately, Peter was a growing boy, and he was a teenage boy with uh, erections. So understandably, this caused quite an issue, as he wouldn't be able to focus on the lesson, and he would start rubbing himself on Hal's legs. He was also really fascinated by her knees. So the first idea that they had to deal with this, because understandably, he was a teenage boy, this was going to be a really, really bad issue. They decided to use the elevator to send Peter down to the girls, Sissy and Pam. But that was too big of an issue, because it was just labor intensive, you know, hard to get them into the shaft and down there and have, you know, him spend time with them and then come back for the lesson. It was just a too big of an ordeal to work with. So, Margaret manually helped the erection. And I'm sorry, I love science, but I draw the line at dolphin hand jobs. I just do. And it's reported, now, this is a fact to put in your mind, manual hand jobs during the months that she was there Dolphins have sex eight to ten times a day. Just food for thought, eight to ten times a day. You're working there doing dolphin hand jobs, just saying. Um, you know, but to Margaret, it wasn't sexual. It was just something she had to get on with to do the lessons. It wasn't done in private, though. Everyone could see it visitors to the dolphin house like their investors other scientists photographers anybody and everybody if they came in they would be able to see this it was you know not publicly like this is what we're doing 
it was just, hey, this just kind of happens, but, you know, everyone doesn't see it, is that as soon as you say dolphin hand jobs, everybody is focused on that. Uh, so, unfortunately, due to that, uh, word got out to an issue of The Hustler, and the project started to dwindle, and because of, you know, these articles, it actually lost its merit with the science community. Honestly, I don't think that it helped that Lily was, you know, floating above them in his little deprivation tank on LSD, thinking about how the dolphins were talking to him telepathically. I don't think that helps either. But moving on. Now what the Hustler did not get into was that there was one sicko lab worker who was into dolphin sex. Luckily, this guy was fired, but he talked about how he wanted to come in on Saturdays when everyone was gone to finger and screw the dolphins. Nope, he got kicked out real fast before there was abuse to the dolphins. Like, I... As far as I'm aware, that was not... That was taken down pretty quick. And so back to the article, uh, you know, about the time of that first article, it seemed like Peter wasn't learning as quickly as they had liked. Lily actually started administering LSD to the dolphins. Margaret was pissed, understandably. And, you know, funding had just stopped. Some things I've read have either said nothing happened to the dolphins, like no effects from the LSD, or I think it was Sissy, the more reluctant of the two females actually became overly friendly. But Margaret really put her foot down about Peter to make sure he did not get any of those LSD injections. So what happened from there? You know, everything dwindled, the money wasn't coming in, so, post-experiment, the dolphins got moved to a flooded bank in Miami, and it was terrible for them because it lacked sunlight and space. I mean, the pictures of it were just awful. It didn't have much room to move around, and you could clearly see that there was hardly any light coming in. Um, Peter, after losing the human that he essentially fell in love with, actually committed suicide by refusing to breathe. He drove himself down to the bottom of the tank and like I was saying you know they can force themselves to stay under and not breathe they can they have two halves of that brain that function and he just forced himself not to get back up Margaret however actually went on and she actually married the photographer of the research and raised her family for a while in the old dolphinarium. Like, what? <laughs> Why? I cannot imagine meeting, you know, the love of your life because he's taking pictures of you doing hand jobs to a dolphin. I mean, I know there's more to it. I know that they worked really hard on speaking having the dolphins not speak dolphinese and speak english i know that that was the main focus of the <laughs> of the study but i just i can't picture that that's how people would know that you met like i just kick it over that but 
you know, moving, <laughs> moving on, um, to the basis of this, you know, why was it dolphins? And it was because at the time, scientists believed that intelligence was determined by the size of an individual's brain. And some species are 40% larger than ours, uh, dolphins, Caucasians. And Lily thought they were a cognitive equal. And, you know, that's where the story ends. That's why we believe this whole experiment would go to begin with and came to light and look what happened. <laughs> and hold on tight, folks. There it is. It's my favorite time of the day. It's the death of the day. Today's death of the day is coconuts. Falling coconuts kill 150 people a year. Historically, records record that... <laughs> records report the earliest known death was in the 1770s. A king, actually. Tinktatui of Mangaya in the Cook Islands. Now, another way to get killed by coconuts is sudden cardiac death from hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia is caused by drinking high quantities due to the high potassium levels in coconut water. Drink responsibly. Now, next week, our segment of Weird Experiments continues with remote control animals and how turkeys aren't that bright. As always, followed by the death of the day. I'm Laura CB. This is Penguin. And this was your dose of Absurd Archives. Thank you, everybody.